Um, good morning, everyone. Nice to be with you online again this morning. My name is Matthew. We have never met before. Hopefully we would one day. And it, over the last few weeks, I've been reading Warren Gatlin's book. He was the Welsh coach up until last year. And so it's been making up for the lack of rugby on the TV and things. And one thing that Warren Gatlin was famous for and the Wales team was famous for, and he talks a lot about it in his book, is the intensity of the training that they put the team through. And Warren Gatlin, he wanted Wales to be the fittest team in the world. And the reason was, he explained it, is that he said when it came to the matches, he wanted his team to have the energy and the confidence and the ability to do the basic skills well and to stick to the game plan and their strength as a team all the way to the end of the match. And whatever the conditions were or however things were going, whether it was sunny or rainy or windy, whether they'd been playing well or playing badly, whether it was the first minute of a friendly match or the last minute of the World Cup final, that all the team would be able to make the right choices under pressure and do the basic skills well together. And that was his goal. And I think watching Wales over the last few years under Gatland, you could see that a lot of the time, that's what they did pretty well. Very often they'd be losing a half time, they might be 16 nil down or 10 points down. But you just knew in the second half, they would often turn it around and they would work hard and stick to the game plan till the very end and so often would come back. And I know Simon Brown, a big England rugby fan, he would always, whenever we'd watch Wales against England, or he'd be texting me, he would always be saying, you can never relax when you're playing Wales. Even if you're 10-0 up or whatever, you can never relax playing Wales. And so I think, yeah, he did pretty well. So anyway, today we're continuing with our Lockdown Life series. And today we're starting to look a little bit ahead as lockdown eases, actually. And we're going to look at the life of the early church recorded in the book of Acts. And the early church, they face numerous challenges. And today I want to look at two crisis moments that they faced and how they responded. And what's interesting with the early church is they remind me a little bit of Gatlin's Wales team. That they knew that they'd been called by Jesus, that they had a purpose. And that there was a, a reason why the church exists and why we're here. And in every situation, they knew what their calling was. It's like they knew what the game plan was. And even in crisis moments, they could thrive. And I think we can really learn something for ourselves from looking at the early church. Because, you know, for us, we're in a crisis point in our nation at the moment. And obviously we're handling that as best as we can. And our government and everyone chipping in in the ways that we can. And we're slowly emerging from lockdown. But the indications are some of the effects, you know, they may last a year, two years, three years, who knew, knows one way or the other. And so I think the early church are a great example for us. So firstly then, Jesus' followers, their world had been turned upside down when they discovered that Jesus was alive. Because of course, you know, Jesus was God himself who came into the world as a man to restore our relationship with God. He died on the cross to take away the sin of the world, the things that we have done wrong or the things that we ever will do and the things that separate us from God and separate us from heaven. But Jesus died to remove those things so that we could be forgiven and so that nothing would separate us from God, but that we could have a relationship with him that would start now and last into eternity. And Jesus himself had never done anything wrong. And so after dying on the cross, God raised into life again and Jesus broke the power of death which means death isn't the end. 
But when we put our trust in Jesus, when we accept him into our lives, when we begin that relationship with God through Jesus, we have the gift of eternal life and we know God in our lives now. And so for Jesus followers, like I say, their life had been turned upside down when they realised all who Jesus was and what he'd come to do and that he was alive again. And they began to ask Jesus, is now the time that you'll restore your kingdom? And what they were saying is, you know, is now the time when heaven and earth are going to come back together again and all of the wrong in the world will be removed and it's kind of the end of the world as we know it, but a new world will be created with heaven and earth and it's going to be amazing. And they were saying, is that about to happen now when all's made new? And in Acts 1 verses 7 to 8, this is what Jesus said. And it's the last thing he said before he returned to heaven. And he said, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so for the first followers of Jesus, and exactly the same for us today, Jesus is saying whatever else goes on in the world, good or bad, it's not our job to speculate about when Jesus is going to return, but our calling is to be a witness to Jesus in every time, in every place, in every situation, in word, in deed, in our actions, in our life together, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are called to demonstrate and live out who Jesus is, his love for the world and the good news of his resurrection, that Jesus is alive. And so for the early church and the first believers in Jesus, that's what they began to do. And it wasn't easy at first. They were living in Jerusalem, the very same city where Jesus had been crucified. And so those very same people who'd arrested Jesus and put him on the cross were still there. And they had a lot of run-ins with the same religious leaders who had caused Jesus to be executed. But after a little while, things began to settle down and the church began to grow. And in Acts 5, Luke records this. He's the one who wrote the book of Acts. He records, Every day in the temple and from house to house, they continue to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah or Jesus is the Saviour. And the believers rapidly multiplied. So we can see that things were going well, generally. But then suddenly they come up against a fresh wave of opposition and persecution. And one of the believers, Stephen, was executed. And then it says this, A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging both men and women to throw them in prison. And so for the church here, their lives, both individually and collectively as a community, were completely disrupted. Many had to flee their homes, leave their livelihoods. And for those that stayed behind in Jerusalem, no doubt they couldn't meet together as freely and as openly as they could before. And they had to take extra precautions and be careful because they were being arrested and thrown into prison and even executed. And for many Christians across the world today, this is their reality right now. And they don't have the freedom that we do to meet openly and to worship together and to share their faith. And they face danger and persecution every day. 
Now, fortunately for us here in Swansea and in Wales, that isn't our situation. But our lives have been disrupted in a different kind of way at the moment, on a personal level. You know, many people have um, lost or are worried about their jobs and their livelihoods and their plans have been affected, as we all know. And for us as a church, you know, we're not able to meet together in the way that we normally would, in the way that we'd like to. And in the coming weeks and months when maybe we are allowed to start to meet together again, it might look differently for a while. And we're hearing, you know, all the time new guidelines and reports coming in of, you know, social distancing and hand washing and anti-back hand gel and maybe not singing or not doing this or not doing the other or so forth. And so no doubt we'll have extra precautions to take and things are going to look a little bit different. But just like the early church continued to be community together and didn't change the fact that they were God's people and a community, For us, you know, we can do the same and find ways to be community in different ways and in new ways. And, you know, obviously we still have small groups and we're meeting together on Zoom and other things. And as the restrictions ease, we can begin to meet up with one another more often and pray together and even worship together and spend time together and visit one another and and, and that kind of thing. And of course, you know, we can always use the phone and contact in all kinds of ways. So we can continue to be community together. But what about the early church? How did they respond? Well, in verse four, it says this, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. And many evil spirits were cast out, crying with loud shrieks as they left. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So the first thing that we see here is that the early church continued to do and continue to be who God had called them to be, to be witnesses. And they shared their faith and they prayed for others and they healed the sick. And this is a great encouragement for us to do the same, whatever the season, whatever the time, whatever the place, whatever's going on in our lives or in our world, that we carry this amazing truth that God loves us, that he has a plan for your life and for mine, that we have the promise and the gift of eternal life through Jesus. And we know God's power at work in our lives today. And we know and have experienced this. And so Paul writes in 2 Timothy, he says, preach the good news and be prepared in season and out of season. And so for us, let us continue to share our faith with our friends and our family and our neighbours and our colleagues, in our words, in our actions, through praying for others, especially in this time when people are particularly worried and anxious about the future. You know, all the changes with jobs and with schools and with what's ahead in the news and what's happening. But for us, you know, we've talked all the way out through this lockdown series about whatever's going on, how we know that God is faithful, that God is true, And that even in tough times, that God is with us, that he strengthens us, that he empowers us, that he is for us, that he answers prayer. And we do not need to fear because he's reliable and we can trust in him with our lives and we can live out of a place of peace and not fear. And I remember for Precious and myself, just under a year ago, we went for a checkup because Precious had had breast cancer the year before. And every year they go for a checkup and we were expecting everything to be fine because she'd been through treatment and stuff. But when she was there, the consultant became concerned about her lymph nodes and what was showing up on the scans. 
And so they'd taken some biopsies and they sent them for further tests. And you can like tell in the room when something is wrong because like everything goes quiet. And um, yeah, when Precious came out, I was chatting with a consultant. You just get this like this feeling like rises up in your stomach of worry. And we went straight over to my parents' house and we explained, you know, what the consultant had said and we prayed together. And as we prayed about the situation, this verse from Psalm 46 came to my mind and also came to my dad's mind and we we both shared it. And this is what it says. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea. And this is who God is, a present help in trouble. And I remember that as we prayed and handed the situation over to God, knowing that we can trust him because he is faithful and a present help in any situation that comes our way. This peace just like landed on me and precious and overwhelmed us. And that worry and anxiety and horrible feeling just lifted away and like evaporated. And over the next 10 days, as we were waiting for that call with the results or be called to you know, come in and see the doctor again, we both just lived out of this amazing place of peace and calm and stillness. And Precious was revising for some of her exams as well. So it was like a really pressurized situation, but it was amazing, this peace that carried us right the way through it. And eventually we got a phone call and it was all clear and there was nothing to worry about and that was obviously an amazing relief and an answer to prayer in itself because they had been concerned but what we both remember about that time about those 10 days or so is the power of god's peace in the in-between in the waiting and what an amazing gift that is the peace that god gives us that comes the peace that comes with knowing his power in our lives and his promise over our eternity and over our future And we can bring that to others at this time because this is a truth that we've experienced and a peace that we carry that we can bring and give to others. We carry that into the world. You carry that into your workplace. You carry that with your friends. You carry that into your family situation. And we can offer to pray for our friends and our families and our colleagues and our neighbours and those that we know. And we can pray for them about their worries and their challenges because the Holy Spirit lives in you and we can introduce them to Jesus and share our faith so that they can experience this amazing gift of peace themselves. As Jesus said in John 14, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Alongside this then is a second way that the church responded to crisis. And over time, they spread further and further into new countries. And in Acts 11, it says this. Meanwhile, the believers who had scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch of Syria. And then Luke goes on to describe this church in Antioch and how it was made up of all different types of people uh, from you know, all different places. It was a very like multicultural area in, at that time. And that's where people first had the nickname Christians, because what united all these different people was their faith in Christ. 
And so anyway, one time uh, after this, some of the leaders from the church in Jerusalem came to visit. And one of them was called Agabus and he had a prophetic word. And this is what it says. One of them named Agabus stood up in one of the meetings and predicted by the spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. And this was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. Now famines, of course, could be devastating. And Josephus, a Jewish historian, he recorded about this famine in Judea and how severe it was. But what I love about the church's response is immediately upon hearing the news a famine was coming, and that was a big deal. You know, for us, the pandemic's a big deal. This was like their, this was equivalent. This was really bad. And straight away, immediately, as soon as they hear the news, the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. And this was a hallmark of the early church, just as it is of God throughout the whole Bible, to care for those in need and to be generous with what we have. And so for us as a church, over the coming months, let this continue to be the forefront of our hearts, of our minds, of our actions. You know, some people might be hit really hard in the coming months as all the effects of this, you know, coronavirus, etc., unravels. So let's be ready to be generous with those in need. And let's be looking out, you know, is there anyone in your small group or is there anyone on your street or in your family who needs help or is struggling? Let's be ready to be generous and to share. Let's have that on hand, like that immediate response, just like the early church did. Because this is our calling as followers of Jesus. As John, John put it this way in a letter he wrote to churches, he said, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Now, obviously, a great way we can do this is by supporting our local food banks and food share schemes. And, you know, when we shop for groceries, if we're able to, let's fill another bag as well to give away. And if you're not sure where your local food bank is, uh, Sarah last week shared how we wanted to highlight two that are on our doorstep in Penland, which is where our uh, building is, our first building, and where we run all our projects and community work and work with schools and love and are a part of the local community there. And this is a great way that we can continue to love and support our local community and be a part of it. And so the details are on the screen of Blind and Mice in Penland and their food share schemes and where you can donate and things and it'll come up again at the end. And also on our website, in the Give tab, we've created a new food section. So if you'd struggle to get to the food bank for one reason or another, you could donate something on there, and that'll be used by someone in the church to go and buy food and take it to them directly. So there's lots of ways to join in. And I was also chatting to the local area coordinator for Blind and Mice just the other day, and he was saying, if you anyone's watching, and they actually need food themselves, then please go down and take some because that's what it's there for. And for us as a church, let's continue to look out for one another and help one another at this time, just like I've been saying, and just like the early church did. 
And so, yeah, to sum up, looking at the early church, we see how did they respond? Well, they like they stuck to their calling, who Jesus had called them to be. They stuck to the game plan, like one of Warren Gatlin's teams. They loved people. They witnessed. They were witnesses to Jesus. They shared their faith. They prayed for others. They healed the sick and they cared for those in need. And it's simple, really. And when I see what they did, it makes me think back and reminds me of all the way back in January at the start of the year, when we prayed and we had that word for the year for us as a church, which was to be a year of love, to love God, to love people, and to build loving community. And that's who we're called to be. And that's what we can do at this time, even in a crisis moment. And when you look throughout history as well, and you look at the church and You see that every generation in different nations or at different times or in different parts of the world has faced crisis moments all throughout history when the world seems to have been turned upside down. But Jesus promised that we would be his witnesses right the way through the world and that he would be with us. That's lasted and that's come true. And that's been our experience all the way through this time. And so for us now in 2020, Cornerstone, amongst all the other churches in in the world, Now's our time to love God and to love people and to be witnesses to Jesus. So let's continue and let's do it together. Why don't I pray for us to finish? Jesus, I thank you that you love us so much and you love every single person watching right now. And you loved us that much that you would come into the world and give your life for us. And I thank you that you've called us to be your witnesses and to share this good news in the world around us. And we pray and ask, Holy Spirit, that you would empower us and strengthen us and help us at this time to be your witnesses, to love others, to share the good news, to pray for our friends and colleagues and to care for those in need and to be generous. And I pray, Lord God, would you help us to do all these things And would you strengthen us today? In Jesus' name, amen.